welcome back to the PropTech Ramble. I'm Michael Grant. Hi everyone, I am Charlotte. Hey, yeah, so I'm Sam. I'm my own blog now. <laughs> <laughs> um, plug away. PropTech for us as Metricus is, again, it's not just new, it is legacy as well. That's what it's all about, really, apart from me rambling on like I'm doing now. So uh, <laughs> that's why it's called the podcast. Right? <laughs> that's very say. true. That's very true. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, a one-off webinar slash ramble uh, with myself and Michael Pasula. We are talking about uh, workplace tech and trends in the market that are appearing globally. Uh, so with me today is another Michael and another Australian, Michael Pasula. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I'd rather than me do a very bad intro. Can you introduce, introduce yourself so everyone knows who you are and what you do? Sure. Thank, thanks, Michael. And I appreciate you uh, inviting me onto to the podcast. So um, yes, my name is Michael Pasula. Uh, I lead our intelligent and digital workplace practice uh, at Accenture here uh, in North America and uh, really happy to be uh, doing the podcast here with you today in our office in Midtown Manhattan at One Manhattan West. Yeah, this is my favorite office in the world. I have plugged it many times on LinkedIn, but it is my favorite office and I love being here. So well, we're glad to have you. Thank you for putting up with me for another week. So uh, jump straight into some questions. So can you tell us more about digital works, the digital workspace team uh, at Accenture and what you guys do and, and how it came to be and, and all the things in between? Yeah, sure. Um, so the digital workplace practice at Accenture, you know, we're, we're really focused on helping our clients to um, use technology in the workplace to uh, improve experience, improve operational efficiency. And, and uh, you know, more so over the last two to three years, one of the, the, the key aspects of it that's really come to the forefront is how do we make office experiences where people actually enjoy working in the office? And um, it's become a really important factor in the return to workplace um, uh, in an area for, for a lot of clients around how do you make places that people actually want to come and work? How do you make places that are um, more productive for people to do the activities that they can't feel as productive at home um, to be able to provide those centralized locations for, for them to, to, um, to come to and uh, do those um, enhanced things that either need um, enhanced technology, um, enhanced spaces, um, spaces for people to come together. Um, and then how do we use technology to both enhance the experience of the people and then also um, enhance the capabilities and the information that the operators of those spaces have um, to allow them to operate those spaces efficiently and ultimately use that information and data to improve the experience of, of the people. So it's kind of this um, I like to describe it as this yin and the yang is we're using technology to improve experience all the while collecting information about what experiences people are using, um, using that data to turn it into operational efficiency and improved experiences even even further. And I think the the data part is almost the more important part now that the helping them build it. But I, I was in a meeting yesterday where, an existing customer of ours on one side of the business but a new customer on the other the the lady runs real estate but she doesn't have a huge team to be able to analyze all the data but pull lots of different data sets to get the most value out of it that i think is hugely important i think that's almost the more valuable part as it's ongoing right so platforms can bring all the data together but not every platform can bring every bit of data together an example is 
occupancy capacity, energy data, BMS data, all of the good stuff. But then if you want to really understand your building and what you can do with that building, you need to look at some leasing data and then you need to look at department data and no platform in the world can bring all that together. So I think that's that's almost more valuable in my mind to help drive like the really big savings. And we can't do that as a software company. So your team, I imagine that's it's hugely important for, for customers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we, we approach all of our customer scenarios from a, um, you know, outcomes and an and, and experience perspective, right? What are the things that the people that are coming in to consume the space need? And, and you know, that can be um, your everyday employee, but, you know, we also consider the people that are helping operate the space as consumers of space too, right? So what are the things that they wish they knew, right? What are the yeah. things that we can do um, or, or things that we can help them understand that is happening in the space that can make their roles easier, more automated, more efficient, um, and really looking at the fundamentals of that. And then we, once we understand what those are, we can help them understand where can we get information from various different sources, right, that may exist or may need to go and get, get, get um, uh, collected and then bring those all together to answer those questions. Right, um, you know, a, a, a scenario with uh, a client that we've been helping over the last number of years to build a new building. You know, working with their facilities team and saying things like, "Well, what do you what do you do every day? Like, when you come into the office, what what's your function, or how do, how do you go about your day?" And just understanding things like, "Well, you know, four times a day we walk around and we make sure that there's enough bananas in the you know in the cafeteria, right?" And today that's somebody walking around, but in the future that can be us understanding from computer vision that the bananas are all gone and actually just preactively alerting them when that happens. Right. And so, um, there's a very simple, um, simple, uh, example of how we can save that person having to walk every single floor in the building four yeah. times a day. But at the same time, they're going to know as soon as the bananas run out, as opposed to potentially two hours after the bananas have run out when they get around to walking around again. So it improves the efficiency of the operator the facilities person because they're not running around and improves the the experience for the employee because there's always going to be bananas there. Yeah. And only one thing more important than bananas is toilet paper, I imagine. So I'm figuring out when that runs out. This is true. And, you know, the same, the same, <laughs> the same scenario, um, you know, applies there, right? Whether it's proactive cleaning, you know, instead of cleaning on a schedule, cleaning on every time the hundredth person goes in or 50th person, or, you know, even getting to those, those scenarios where we actually are detecting toilet rolls in dispensers, right? And are we running out of toilet rolls in a certain cubicle and do we have to go and, and replace them? So, um, you know, bringing all of that data together, whether it's in a building system, whether it's in an IT system, whether it's in an HR system, whether it's in a security system, whether it's in BMS, um, but not just bringing the data together because we can, it's bringing the data together to answer very specific use case scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think that's the way forward. If people aren't, doing that and they're just digitizing for the sake of digitizing then they're not going to get the outcomes that they would if they brought more data sets together with people who know what they're doing correct so, yep uh, another question that we've got here uh, it seems hybrid is here to stay do you agree and what trends are you guys seeing yeah um i'm definitely a believer that hybrid is is here to stay um i think that you know we we did this, um, I used to call it the world's largest work from home pilot, 
in 2020, right? We sent everybody home, said, let's go see if this is going to work. And the reality is that we as a society worked out that it, that it works, right? The vast majority of people were able to continue to be successful working from home. Um, yeah, the first couple of months were a struggle, but the first time you learn to do something new is always hard, always right? Um, because we were trying to do the things that we were doing before in a different scenario, as opposed to rethinking the way that we did them. And, and um, you know, just like water, we took the path of least resistance. We, we, you know, changed around the way that we did things. And we realized that we could do a lot of the things that we were coming to the office to do in a different way. And, you know, I think that, that um, the outcomes of most businesses will prove that they didn't suffer tremendously because of you know, a huge impact of workforce productivity over that, that period of time. Um, and so people are looking for you know, a good mix. There are definitely things that are, the office is better for, and I'm, I'm definitely not a proponent of let's all get rid of offices and everybody work from home 100% of the time. I think that I actually think that offices are far more important now than they actually were in the past because I think we have a purpose for them other than it's the place that you go to work. Um, but I definitely think that that hybrid is is here to stay. I think that it gives the the, the um, perfect combination of employee flexibility for people to choose where they are going to be the most productive to do the work that they need to do during that day. Um, I think financially it's going to help organizations because we're no longer having to go and you know, lease or buy or manage you know, the X number of square foot per employee and furnish it and desk it and turn the lights and the heating and all these types of things on. Um, it's going to help people cut down commuting time. There's, there's too many benefits for it not to work um, and be beneficial for everybody. At the moment, though, I think that we're still, the organization side of things is still lagging. A lot of organizations are still sitting there saying, well, we're already paying for this real estate, so people should be using it. <laughs> come in, right? please. Yes, come in, please. Or there's <clears throat> still that fight to we've got to get back to the way that we were. Yeah. But I think that society has moved on and people have, have moved on. Um, and we have this, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity to redefine how people will work in the future. Um, I think that we just need to have organizations that are bold enough to realize that this is that opportunity and this is that time and, um, you know, change the way that the organization is functioning to function around what the new normal is. Yeah. And, and I think I'm, I'm a proponent of both. We've always had hybrid working at Metricus, but some things you just need to do in the office and and from for bigger organizations it's about learning from mentors and other people because you can't always learn from home when you need to talk to someone on the fly or you've got a team get together sometimes video works but sometimes throwing stuff on a whiteboard and designing stuff it it i i think i i think it's here to stay as well but i think people do need to have a look at their spaces and make sure it is as you just said suitable for what people come to the office for now because it's not just cubicles and desks everywhere yeah it's a space space <clears throat> needs to be more purposeful now and i think that um we have that opportunity to build more purposeful spaces right um and have the opportunity to also educate people for why we're building space right if you build a space that's designed for the reason that someone would come in they're going to come in and use it yeah. right um if you just design space with a whole bunch of desks and a whole bunch of 
you know, cubes with closed doors or offices with closed doors and closed walls, then people are going to stay home and close the door in their, <laughs> in their office at home or, you know, and, and they're going to stay there and do it. But um, I think there's too much value for everybody once, once organizations realize how much they can also save financially. Um, and even if it's not um, you know, a huge hundreds of millions of dollars on real estate, but I can have less space, you know, less impact from a power consumption perspective, but build more engaging, high quality, purpose-built spaces that attracts employees, retains employees, provides you know capabilities for my clients to come and experience things with my with my products and services that they couldn't before. There's more value in investing that way than than seas of cubes. Well, right. and, and people will see that from productivity as well, right? Because if you come in and you're more productive, you like the space you work in, you're naturally more productive as well. So Absolutely. whether, you know, at home, you know, concentrating, reading docs, you know, writing proposals, answering RFPs, whatever it might be, that's where you need to lock yourself away. But when you come to the office, if you are productive and, as you said, you love your space, you're naturally more productive while you're there anyway. And if it's a good space, people will stay there longer than they would normally do just because it's a good space to be in as well. So I think it's definitely a win-win and, and it's here to stay. Another question, uh, how are you seeing clients react as they rethink workspaces to meet employee needs? So this is kind of a follow-on from what we've just said. I may as well not yeah. have read that question given the stuff we've just <laughs> talked about, but it's there now. No, no, it's it's a good question. Um, I definitely think that most organizations are slow to move. I feel like there is a hesitancy to take the chance. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I would say I'm a relatively newcomer to the real estate side of, of this industry with a, you know, my, my tech, my background being in technology. Um, but I definitely see a hesitancy to move. And I think that it's, the real estate industry for its you know entire history from my understanding of it it's been a long-term game right we make big bets on 10 or 15 years we make these big investments we don't move quickly because we move cautiously um and i think right now that's kind of what we're seeing is i don't know that the industry has been through an inflection point as that has been thrust upon it as quickly as we've seen the last two and a half, three years. Um, and there is some, I feel, first mover anxiety. Um, you know, I know, and, and I published a, um, my takeaways from the, the Cornet conference in Seattle 2021 last year. Uh, one of the key takeaways from that was that nobody knew what to do, right? So you had all these heads of, of real estate from all these companies all over the place. And there was basically a week-long conference of people saying, we don't really know what to do now, right? Because all the things that we used to do are no longer valid. They're no longer relevant. We can't measure the same way. We can't do this. We can't do that. But we don't know what to do. And it was kind of like, you know, the, the trail of ants that someone had taken yeah. the front ant away and then all the other ants stood around and didn't know what to do because it seemed to be an industry that had tended to follow benchmarks. What's everyone else doing? What's the benchmark? What's the number? And then we design to that, right? Or we spec to that or whatever. And given that there's been a lack of leaders, um, there hasn't been many followers, 
Um, but I'm, I'm starting to see that there is um, some organizations are starting to, to turn the curve. Um, and, you know, this space here that we're in at, at One Manhattan West and, and a number of our other uh, facilities around the globe, you know, Accenture has now for over 15 years worked in what you would now today call hybrid. Um, and we've just been designing our spaces like that for the last 15 years. Um, we've landed in a really good spot post-COVID because, you know, we get asked a lot, like, what did you change? And the reality is we really didn't change a lot. We doubled down on a few of the things that we have always been doing, um, but we believe that we've got a really functional hybrid working environment. Um, and it's probably one of the reasons why we've been so successful at getting the number of people um, you know, returning to the office purposefully for purposeful tasks um, in these in these workspaces because that's how how we've designed them. And uh, you know, we we love to host our, our clients and bring people in here to sort of show them like this is what you can do and this is the outcomes that you can get. And um, these are the types of experiences that people can can have. And I think from a, a, a you're right. Number one, people are slow to move. We get asked about it all the time. What are other people doing? Do you have other clients like us? What are they doing? People are starting to move, and I think the momentum is building up, but I think we're still another six to 12 months away before, you know, the ants are working in the same direction again and doing what they need to do. But the there's almost two sides to it. There's the tenant who, what should we do for our teams that are coming back? And more people on the tenant side, I think, are doing it. The landlord side, the landlord, or the landlord side, from my view, is there. There are proactive ones, and we're working with lots of them, and they're asking our advice, and we're introducing them to you guys to help mm -hmm. them in areas that we can't as a software company. But they they have to move faster than they've ever moved before, and I think that's part of the challenge. Is as you said, they did, they built it. You know, if you build it, they will come, and people will take space, and you've got a great return on investment over 10, 15 years. But people needing less space scares some people but they the both sides needs to change and i think the landlord needs to change almost faster than the tenant slash occupier yeah i think there's a huge opportunity um in the tenant space around and i've been using this term uh, digital tenant services right it's how do i build a good digital value proposition from my building not just from a hey i've got some floor space it's yeah. in a great location We've got a gym, there's a restaurant and there's a, you know, 7-Eleven in the basement or whatever it might happen to be. And it's near a train. Um, but there's a real opportunity for, I believe, for tenants to offer digital services to their, to their tenants, right? Um, yeah. Sorry, for the landlords to offer yeah. digital services to their tenants um, that can be, you know, we don't have to build them. We don't have to cement them in. We don't need a plumber or we don't need, you know, all these things. Um that will enable the tenants to consume digital capabilities of the building, right? Um, like, you know, HVAC information, HVAC control, security and access control, um, ESG lighting type things, um, you know, elevator um, information and data and, and, and control of things like that. Um, there's so many services, um, you know, additional information, digital signage, location services, things like this that can be plumbed into the building digitally and provided to the tenant either as a value-add service as part of the lease or as, you know, a, a consumption-based service that they can um, 
provide that enables the, the tenants to provide additional enhanced capabilities to the consumers of their tenancy um, that they don't have to build because they come as part of the building um, and that the um, the landlord can continue to innovate on top of it. It's really easy to innovate on a digital service. It's a lot more difficult to do it on a bricks and mortar yeah. platform. Um, there's additional revenue sources for them. Um, I think that's a huge untapped market. And, and as you said, like there's definitely some out there that are starting to move. But the let's call it if you use the the technology term the install base of buildings at the yeah. moment is very is, small. <laughs> it, well, of people that are using it is very small, and yeah. the actual number of buildings is huge, yeah. right? So, how do you go and do that at scale across the 100, 200, 500,000, 5,000 buildings in a portfolio? Um, you can definitely do that and innovate faster with technology than you can with hey, we're going to put a gym in every building. For example, uh, but I think that is a, that's a huge opportunity for landlords. Is um, how do we add digital services that will improve experience and operational efficiency for our tenants? Yeah, and and some landlords definitely are doing that. We have one in the UK who's a customer of ours for partnership. They want to make sure that they are a leading landlord in in the UK. They don't want people to think, oh, you know, they're just another landlord the services they offer, what they're doing, not only just with, with us, but everything is, is about the tenant now. It's not just, I've got an office, you need space. These guys are at the forefront and they're leaders and other people will follow. The big ones are a little bit slower, but they need to follow. Otherwise, the smaller ones are going to disrupt this market. You know, yeah. I was trying to do some numbers the other day about stats, you know, the install base of smart building tech. If you took every hardware vendor that has their own platform and their own install base and then every company like metricus we're in less than one percent of buildings globally less than one percent. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me you know and there are mm -hmm. six million buildings in the us of in, in our sweet spot mm -hmm. there are six hundred thousand of those in the uk and we're in less forget the rest of the world we're in less than one percent of those i mean that's crazy yeah so the opportunity, the opportunity is huge, huge. yeah <laughs> There you go. Uh, so another question. Uh, you talk a lot about the shift from service-centric offices to experience-centric offices, which we've touched on a little bit earlier. Can you explain what this means and if uh, if you think this trend is, is going to continue? And again, we partly touched on this, but it'd be good to drill down a little bit onto it for people because we do get asked about this as well and, and we see the trend, but you see it more so from a, a different perspective given your customer base and, and, and your you know, use a tech term, your install base of people that you work with. So Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we we really see um this this pivot and, and I suppose we're also trying to be at the forefront of, of, of evangelizing this, right? Is that um services are are you know things that do a function, right? There is a a video conferencing room or there is a tech bar or there is a air quality sensor or there is something in a build there is a whiteboard um there's a locker for me to put my stuff in these are all from our viewpoint services they're things that exist um but what we've found is that you, know, you can build a space or design a space with lots of things in it but if the things don't align to how the people want to work they either don't get consumed or people don't really understand what they're there for um, and where we see this, this you know, experience-centric viewpoint coming from is taking a step even back further from the service, but understanding, I mentioned before, 
who are the people that are coming to the space, right? Whether they're operating it or they're there to support it or they're there to work or they're there to visit someone or whatever it is. Why are they coming? What are they coming there to achieve? And what are the things that are required? What are the activities that they're going to do while they're there to achieve that, that outcome? And then underneath those activities, what are the services that need to exist to support that activity, right? So, um, and that, that ends up drilling down into a set of things, a set of services, a set of products, a set of hardware, software, boxes, furniture, whatever it might happen to be. Um, but all of those things that exist can be, can be um, traced back to this activity that needs to go on or this reason or this purpose that someone came in, this service, this box, this unit is there in support of that activity, right? Um, and so that then we know that when people are coming in to do the things that they're looking to, to, to come and consume the space for, that all of the things that they need are there. And more importantly, we also understand the interconnection between the different things that are there. So, um, for example, if you had a locker, you, you build a locker into a building, um, you've also got obviously some sort of security system that they have to come in um, into the building with. You know, traditionally we might have had, you know, I have a card reader, I have to come and I put my card reader on the thing, it opens the door and then I go into the building and then I go to my locker and I have to get a key out to open the locker to put my badge in, to put my bag or whatever it is in the locker. Um, when you look at that from a service perspective, that all seems fine. We've got a locker, it's lockable. We've got an access control thing. People can get into it. But when you look at it from a service perspective or an experience perspective from the person coming in, I'm now the, the, the access to the building and the access to the locker to the person are all the same thing. They're just access. They're letting me into something. Why do I need to have multiple things? Why can't I just do that with, with one yeah. device? And once we start to to connect those different things together. The same with some organizations want people to have to check into a space or into a room, right? I should be able to use that same tool that I've already got to do multiple yeah. things, right? Should be just part of the workflow. I shouldn't have to be looking for different things or know that I have to identify myself to anything in any different way. Um, so interconnecting those services. And a lot of the times it's, it's, um, integrating one system with another to make sure that these things pass backwards and forwards. But the ultimate goal is to support the experience of the person and making sure that they, we can automate as much of, of their manual tasks as we can and we make things as intuitive as we can so that they don't have to remember or know that they have to do different things in different ways or use different tools to do things. Yeah, and I think employees will vote with their feet on this over the years to come, right? So totally. At, at the moment... Everyone's happy to be in a job given what's going on around the world in the crazy place we live in. But as things calm down, people will make choices. If they're talking to friends or colleagues or you know someone they know has moved somewhere else and there's an awesome experience, people will vote with their feet. So people need to change. You know, They don't all have to do it overnight, but they need to start making some changes and heading in the right direction. Otherwise, you know, now people are moving because whether they can, they can have flexible working, working. Someone says you have to come back to the office five days a week, they'll leave. Yeah. Even if you having to have to be in two, three, four days a week, if the experience isn't great and someone else is telling you how awesome their experience is day to day, you might go and try and find a better experience. So yeah. people people need to start. You, you know, it's you've you've got to work it as you said very early on, based upon your company and your objectives and what everyone's going to the office to achieve. But you, 
you need it to be as painless as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a retention thing, but it's also it's it's a return to it's a return to office thing too, right? It's like if coming into the office is painful and I spend too much of my time messing around yeah. with how to do things or where things are or how I get things done, it just becomes another thing like the commute that I have to deal yeah. with, right? Yeah. I just yeah. want I want to build I want to build workplaces for people that they can come and the only thing that they need to focus on is doing the thing that they came there for, not to focus on how they're going to go about doing the things that they came there for, right? What are the hurdles that they need to jump and what are the things that they need to fill out and what are the things that they need to find? All that stuff should be done. And we have the capabilities between integrating all of these systems and all this information today to get all of that and make all that happen for them. Um, And so that's where we come about it from an experience perspective is how do we, make the experience amazing for when yeah. people are in the space. Yeah. And and I think I think that will continue and only get better and better. As I get older and older it needs to get easier and easier. Uh so <clears throat> that that we're going to get onto sustainability because everyone's it's on everyone's lips whether it's ESG, carbon reduction, you know, net zero which is very different to carbon neutral but we'll get onto that. Uh so do you think it's possible to improve employee experience while driving down sustain well driving up sustainability driving down energy and costs totally um and i think this goes back to you know my 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 yin and the yang um example right is that um we need data to improve experience i think it's this continual continual improvement loop and that same amount of data we can use to improve efficiency of buildings right um by knowing when people are coming in or when they're likely to come in um, can not only make sure that I have enough space for them or that the spaces that they've 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 um, they've used are available or the spaces that they did consume during the day are cleaned after they left, but they can also help me work out when is it that I should start heating and cooling my building. It's also going to work out when I need to turn the lights off and when I can turn the screens and the displays off in the rooms and all these types of things. Um, all that data that are, are currently today in most locations sitting in all different systems, integrating them together is how we improve experience, but it's also how we get the insights um, to help us drive down, uh, drive down cost. And, you know, I know, you know, Michael, you know, this story very well from uh, one of our buildings um, in Spain that um, you've, you've worked with us on, but, uh, you know, pulling together this data that we're using in our Castellano 85 building um, to be able to understand and improve employee experience by, um, you know, monitoring air quality, monitoring occupancy, knowing when people are coming in and out. Um, not only has that helped our workplace teams, you know, make sure that our workplaces are feeling alive and agile and um, making sure that we're not having, you know, a few people spread out across multiple floors, allowing them to look in, you know, ahead in time and say, hey, hey on certain days, we're going to close down floors. Um, that helps us to obviously improve our energy footprint, to reduce our financial cost of running those those spaces um, obviously you know, takes away the amount of power and, and, and energy that we're using. Um, but at the same time, it improves the experience for people because when they come into those spaces on those days, those spaces feel alive, even if there might be significantly yeah. less overall people in the building. Um, but all of this is all comes about because we're able to capture data from multiple different sources, bring it all together and understand the correlation between those two and make decisions based based on them. So I think that the two of those things go hand in hand completely. And we have started looking at the teams bit, by the way. 
Jim, you and I had the discussion last time we were here. We'll figure out how to turn those bad boys off very soon. <laughs> Wonderful. And then we can save lots, lots, lots more money for you. Uh, so in your opinion, and this is about this wonderful building that we're sitting in, in your opinion, has One Manhattan West been successful as a trailblazing workplace? I, I could answer this myself, but I'm going to let you answer it. But what, what do you think has been the most successful thing about it? If you can pick one thing, because I, I my view on this before I let you answer, and I, I talk a lot, so people know that, but my piece of this building that is uh, – the best thing for me is that the way it makes you feel when you come into it and you can choose a floor, right? The floors are all different. They're laid out differently. They're structured differently. But for me, they all make you feel good. But it, that, that's what it is for me when I come here. It's the way this office makes you feel and you're, you're just ready to do what you need to do when you get here. It's about, for me, it's about the way it makes you feel. It, it looks great. The views are good, but it's how you feel for me in this building. There's, I, I, don't, I haven't been in another space like it, truly. And, and I do say to people, I love this building. And it's not just because it's a great building to be in. It is how it makes me feel when I'm in here. I'm very productive in this office, which is why I always ask you when I'm here, can I come and work here every day? But enough from me. What, what, what do you think? Because you're, you're, this is your baby, right? This is... Well, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, it took a, it took a team... Um, to, to make this happen. This is definitely a big team. Um, but, uh, we definitely had, um, some, some vision that went into this and this happened, you know, before the pandemic, you know, I, I first walked this space, um, at the end of 2019. Um, and, uh, we do have an amazing, amazing view here, right? Um, you know, our top floors are 67 stories up, uh, in midtown Manhattan, you can see pretty much everything from here. Um, but when we first walked the space, and I walked it with a colleague of mine, uh, Ra Thomas, who who led up the the, the construction program here, um, you know, we walked the floor together, and and I said to Ra, um, I said, Ra, you know, we have a huge opportunity here to build something really special, um, and we knew we were going to bring a lot of our clients here, a lot of our partners here, and it was obviously going to be a, a flagship place for our people in in New York and and all over the world to to visit and work. Um, so we've got an opportunity here to make something special, and the benchmark for the team needs to be if people leave here, they go back home, they go back to their offices or wherever it is, and they and they said, I went to Accenture's New York City office, and the views were amazing. If they leave here and say that, we missed the mark. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we threw down a huge gauntlet to the team of like, how do we make a workplace that exceeds the views? Uh, and I think that we were successful in doing that. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of things that, that, that have made it so special. Um, the fact that there is a place for you to do anything that you – that you want, if you want to find a space that's quiet, you want to find a space that's away from technology where you can just sit and think. Um, we have spaces for that. If you want to ride a Peloton bike and blast music, we have spaces for that. If you want to sit down in a bar-like environment and have a kombucha with your colleagues and play Connect Four, then we've got spaces for that. Um, you know, if you need to um, work with vi virtual reality, you need a you know three-dimensional treadmill. You need any types of these point services we've made available. Um, so we, we've made, we've managed to um, service that. How do I provide services in this building that I'm just not going to have at home? 
right? Our broadcast studio, for example. Um, so we've made a purposeful destination for people to come to. Um, on top of that, um, we've got an amazing team that operates this space. Um, we've taken a hospitality viewpoint on the way that we service our employees and our guests here. So, you know, our workplace team here are not facilities people, they're hospitality focused people and they don't work in silos. They're about the, again, the, the experience. You come in as an employee, you come in as a guest, whether you've got a rickety wheel on a chair or you need a cup of coffee or you can't get the, you know, the Teams room system video to work, the same people will help you. It's not like, oh, that's a different department or you've got to go here or you've got to go there. We're very focused on the experience of the people and making sure that when they come, they can be productive. Um, and gathering data and bringing that in to make sure that our people that are operating the space understand exactly what's going on and they can be proactive and they can say there's too many people in this space or there's this part of the building, the temperature is too high and be proactive about it rather than waiting for someone to complain um, or have even worse, have them leave and go, I had a terrible time today because you know there's too many people or this room got really hot or whatever happened. Yeah. This screen didn't work. Um, so I think that's what made the space um, so great. I think the other thing is it's openness and the fact that even when you're in an enclosed room that you can still see other people, you can still see what's going on around you, um, especially in the return to work, in you know, the return to office um, scenario. Um, it's really helped us to rebuild those connections with people. Um, being able to see, even when you're in an office, that somebody walks past that you haven't seen for two or three years, you can stick your head out in the corridor and say, hey, you know, Sharath, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Come in here, let's have a chat. And it has really helped people rebuild the, the community and, and also the fact that this isn't just an office, this is a functional center for us. We have a lot of after work activities here. We have external companies. We run external events here. You know, tomorrow we're running the WorkTech New York um, uh, conference here. Um, so bringing the community into the space as well and making this a destination that people come because it's not just about going to work, it's about everything else that happens and and, the, and having an activated space. So um, I don't have one thing that I love about it. Um, if you were going to push me on one thing though, you know, being my bent around you know, the, the technology side of things, um, I'm really proud of where we got to with a technology from a technology perspective in this building and what we've got and, and it's reason it's tied to experience and the functionality that it provides. But you know, even having said that, um, you know, we're already on to our next generation of buildings. We're already on to what's next. We're already on to improving what we've got here in the building that we've just opened in Chicago and in the next ones that we've got planned for later on this year. So um, I'm excited with what we've built. Um, I love this facility. It's definitely one of my favorite ones. Um, currently, uh, I'd have to agree with you. It's my favorite one. Um, but, you know, we've still got more to go and the technology continues to evolve. Experience continues to evolve and we're going to keep pushing the envelope. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to uh, get my invite so I can go to Chicago and see if that's better than this. Because then if that's better than this, I'm going to have to figure out how I get invited there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to speak to Julie about that yeah. one or David. Uh so uh, one last one. So what do you think is next for Workplace? Do you have any predictions or this question says any secrets, but I don't think there are many secrets about this space, but what, what are your predictions and, and what can what can you tell us that you're seeing? I mean, you're already talking about evolving your own spaces and technology is forever changing and hardware. There's new hardware every, every week, right? 
So what, what are your thoughts? What, what do you think's next? What do you, what's next for workplace? What's next that people will have as requirements? It's a really good one. Um, I think that, you know, going back to our point of, you know, that you made a couple of minutes ago, right, is that the landscape for intelligent buildings, smart buildings, intelligent workplace, whatever you want to call them, right, it's more technologically enabled spaces. The existing market is, opportunity market is huge, right? I think that yeah, there's still going to be a huge number of opportunities in just companies that are not doing anything today, just putting their toe in the water, just starting on things like air quality and basic occupancy monitoring and things like that. Um, and they're going to be, you know, what the vast majority of people are doing on the, we're still going to have the pointy edge and Accenture. We're still going to continue to push the envelope on like what's next and how do we prove things out? And um, we really are doing, you know, what we're doing, not only for ourselves, but also to prove out to our clients of like, this is where you can do this. Everyone wants to know, as we said before, yeah. who's done this before? Yeah. Where's it, where's it happened? Um, it's generally really hard to find, you know, a few hundred million dollar building where you can go and do something, you know, to test something out to see if it's going to work. And so we like to do that for ourselves as, as a proof point. Um, so we've definitely, you know, got, got areas that we're going to continue to push forward on. Um, you know, there's still a few things that, that we haven't totally, um, uh, let's say crack the nut on um, that we continue to push forward through. I think that um, digital access is going to continue to evolve. I think wearables are going to become more and more of a thing in the access control space. Um, that that brings a whole extra party to the table that generally yeah. hasn't been with the security teams. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, and I also think that the the whole ESG thing. You know, the I've been love, loving to follow your uh, last couple of. Um, of posts on LinkedIn about lights in building, right? There's so many basic fundamental things that, that we can do really easily that can have a huge impact. Um, some of it's just the, the meat and potatoes, but yeah. there's definitely the flashy stuff, more, um, more personalized services. Uh, one of the ones that I'm really keen to, to implement um, and uh, I'm still looking for the, the, the first place to do this, but I'm really keen to take some of the technology that uh, some of the airlines are using now in the personalized signage for wayfinding. Um, you know, like here in, in New York, um, Delta's implemented at the, the new terminal here, one of those displays where you can walk up and depending on which angle you look at it, it personalizes the information about your flight. Um, I really want to look at and how we can get that into, into the workplaces mm -hmm. to be able to provide personalized, really hyper-personalized information um, I think that's one of the, the cool things um, that I'm excited about. But yeah, I think personalization, further personalization using digital information is going to be um, the most exciting one for me. Yeah. And, and I think because technology is evolving so fast, that, that will become more dominant as well. But as you said, the, the meat and potato stuff is not hard to do, right? And it's not costly to do. And that doing that first you know, connecting to your BMS, looking at your energy usage, looking at occupancy and capacity and indoor air quality. You can make savings out of those. We see that on every single project. That can help pay for the other stuff. Completely. You know, make, make the savings on the meat and potatoes and then you can start to look at the cooler stuff, the integration piece and yeah. the other technology bits that you never thought you'd have the money for. But if you're making savings over here because you're, you have connected to your BMS or you have put occupancy sensing in and indoor air quality, you can see the correlation between the two. 
you guys have seen it, you know, firsthand, right? In Castellana. So C- completely no. I think that you know, bringing the basic pieces of data together to show organizations stuff. They a lot of companies already have a lot of this information. They've just it's they, in the building. Yeah, they've never brought it together. They don't know how to bring it together, or or there's two completely different siloed parts of the organization that don't either talk to each other or don't understand the value of bringing them together. And so um, that's one of the things that, that we try to do with our clients um, at Accenture working across, you know, in relationships across all of those different towers in a lot of our clients is helping them understand that we can take one piece from here and one piece from there and, and, and help them to do things that they didn't know that they could, they could do or um, get savings, uh, build experiences that they, that they didn't know that they could do. But um, yeah, I think that, that, um, it's a lot of work, a lot of work to, to be done, a lot of opportunity um, to both help the bottom line of our clients and, and also you know, make workplaces that people really, really enjoy. And, and I think just to finish off on that, and, and I agree 100%, to finish off on that, I think as well as the amalgamation of data and technology, I think more so than ever before, and you said that it's what happens here and I've seen it here, teams need to come together, right? IT and facilities never really spoke. You know, facilities used to take care of AV. IT used to take care of technology, which was routing and switching and wireless access points and voice. The whole thing is coming together. Everyone needs to come out of their silos and their cubicles and their meeting rooms, and they all need to work together because ESG is a requirement for the board or the investors or, you know, the people who own the company. That That's not going to come from, you know, just it it's going to come from facilities and it and hr has an involvement in that as well all of these things all now need to come together it all needs to be on the same playing field Mm -hmm. as you said it's about hosting people rather than you know playing in your own team anymore and just doing your own thing and then throwing it over the fence so completely yeah it's 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 hugely important that's it we've uh we've rambled on for a while michael thank you very much for your time i'm looking forward to work tech tomorrow uh, and spending a couple more days here in uh, in my favorite office. But thank you very much for your time. And hopefully everyone listening, you've enjoyed us ramble on for a bit about a subject that we both love. Thanks, everybody. Great. Thanks, Michael.